Well, Dak, here's the deal. I'm the best there is, plain and simple. And nobody can hang with my stuff. Uh, you know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine right, jet flying, son of a gun. Welcome into the Victory Bells podcast. Gangsters, what's up, guys? Hey, guys. Oh, big golfs, huh? All right. On Red Raider Sports Radio. Well, see you later. And now, here's Will. Great cash, homie. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I'm your host, Will McKay. Joining you from right here in the Hypnotic Donuts studio, as always, want to go ahead and thank our guys at Hypnotic Donuts for uh, sponsoring the studio. They sponsor this, the Maddor Report, and uh, the Roundtable these days. And uh, go see our boy James at Hypnotic Donuts in Denton or DFW if you got a little bit of time. If you're uh, hankering something a little salty or a little sweet, whether that be in the form of such things as a donut or a biscuit or a chicken biscuit or... However you want to concoct it, those those, those kind of deals, uh, go check them out, and uh, you should go hit them up on the old uh, on the old the Instagram as well because uh, got lots of good goodies you can you can get a look at. So uh, so anyway, without further ado, what's up, Matt? What's going on, buddy? Hey, man, I'm I'm still uh, bundled up down here in Houston, surviving the the ice ice apocalypse of uh, 2018, man. Are you? What? How was? Uh, how's that gone so far for you there? No, it's just fine. I'm joking. But two two days in the house of of you know uh, treacherous weather and frozen conditions, and uh, they shut down all the schools. I mean, we just don't function down here with bad weather. It's just we we only run on good weather down here in Houston. Everything else and, shuts and, down. And two days of contemplating, you know, strangling your children. Ugh, man, you know, you put it that way. I wasn't going to say that on the podcast, but I was, you know, I was thinking is keeping that thought to myself. But no, yeah, I mean, I had to, had to get him out of the house last night. I was going to say, speaking of kids, I had a really proud dad moment this oh, weekend. My four year old son uh, had his first flag football game and I'm not coaching, you know, I coach soccer. I want to take a break and, you know, kind of get the lay of the land right and so right. we get the email and they say that there's five kids on the team i'm kind of like well wow, five what? kids so it's four on four so that's not still not good they would only have one sub or you know they'd have yeah. to have a full roster most weekends but the first week is always to kind of try to teach the kids the rules the parameters kind of get them familiar with you know what they're getting into right and i say all of that because the coach you know i'm off to the side trying to keep my mouth shut letting them coach and because, uh, you know, he's volunteering his time and he's trying to explain to the kids the difference between offense and defense. And so he was trying to be inclusive. You know, at that age, you got to right. ask them for answers. And so he said, who can tell me the difference between offense and the, and defense? And my son, Mason, raises his hand and he said, you know, he's the only kid to raise his hand. And, and, and he says, Mason, you know, what you got? And he said, defense wins championships, like straight face, <laughs> like out loud in front of everyone. And I was like, yes, you know, <laughs> so uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I was so proud and everybody got a good laugh out of that. But I think they I think they had a good practice. And now for the next six to seven weeks, I may have tales from the flag football field. I don't know. I may or may not have bought like a bunch of stuff at Dick's Sporting Goods that's, you know, maybe not even necessary for kids that play football that age, you know? Oh, yeah. I don't bet you're amped about it, man. Yeah. So he might get his own huddle page. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Class of what? Class of uh, 2030. 
I think it's 2032. I, I did all this when he was born, but I don't remember. <laughs> oh, man. I will be uh, 42 years old at that point. So if that makes you feel, feel any better. Well, maybe by then you'll have taken over for uh, Don Williams and, you know, you'll be an old man yourself just wearing Dockers and coming to, you know, talk to my kid about high school football. I kind of hope not, but okay. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, we're off the rails a little bit, but all that stuff, I'm doing good, man. I heard you've been filling in a lot on the radio, so this should be like nothing to you. It is, man. Yeah, this week has been uh, quite the week on in uh, old Radioville. Uh, Because for those that don't know, I'm doing every day 9 to 11 over on 100.7 here in Lubbock with uh, Jamie Lint. And uh, going really good with that. And then uh, I'm also filling in for our man level whenever he's out of town with uh, basketball. So, yeah, I've been getting my hours in on uh, on radio this week for sure. But uh, it's been going good. So I can't complain on my end. And uh, just trying to take care of business, man, and enjoy uh, what we got going on with hoops right now. It's a lot of fun. And I think, you know, a lot of times around this, this part of year, in, in years past anyway, you know, while, while we'll talk about, you know, tech basketball and, and, and we'll keep up with it. I think it's just with what they've done in the last, you know, two weeks, I think there's definitely kind of a fever pitch for, you know, Red Raider hoops, and, and rightfully so. I mean, it, it's uh, it's been a blast to get to watch this team and where they're at. I mean, I, I mean, it's just, it's crazy for me as a guy that has, you know, watched Tech hoops for, you know, 15-ish years to see them, you know, in some brackets projected as a one seed. I mean, like that just blows, you know, my mind with, with how well they're playing and uh, where they're at. And, you know, yeah, I'm a – I'm admittedly a Fairweather fan when it comes to the basketball team because, you know, more often than not in my time at Tech and then after graduation, it just, I don't know, it just wasn't a, a thing. But we had some pretty good years while I was at school. But right. um, even just watching, like, you know, to get your games on an ESPN and all that and to have, you know, see your name in the rankings, you know, inherently a lot more people pay attention. I mean, you're a guy, though. I mean, you've been there. You've been covering the games, you know, we, we read your work on Red Raider Sports. Um, we talked about this, I want to say, earlier because in the in the fall you would kind of given us some names to watch, some new guys, some new faces. Um, but even without Zach Smith, I mean, just tell us a little bit more about this team, you know, and why you think they've had this success. Yeah, I think you look at the roster and – the surprising thing has been, while you thought, I think, that true freshmen like Jarrett Culver and Zaire Smith would, I think, certainly, you know, factor in and be, you know, maybe like nice complimentary pieces to what you did going into the season. I think that's been the biggest surprise is that those two guys and, and really Brandon Francis, who transferred in from uh, from Florida a couple years ago, have all been, you know, fantastic additions to, you know, what was a kind of a veteran team. So, yeah, I think that that's really been the biggest reason why this team's had so much success is that Beard makes them play, you know, kind of nonstop, you know, aggressive, you know, incredibly, you know, effort-based defense that, uh, you know, has them as one of the best defenses in the entire country. And then I think with the depth of the rotation and the athleticism they've got uh, where they, they just kind of love to play around the rim on both ends, I, I think that it's just a group that's a lot of fun to watch. They, they, they have – awesome chemistry and, it, and it's just a, a group that's having a ton of fun right now and if, if you're in Lubbock or even if you're not I, I encourage you to go out to you know one of the last six home games they've got here uh because it is a ton of fun to get to watch them I, I I will just tell you that in all my years of attending basketball you know even going to Mavs games things like that I have never had been in like a more fun environment than the one last Saturday when they played West Virginia 
in, in Lubbock. It was just right. Uh, it was pretty fantastic, and it was also my uh, my uh, gal pal, my lady friend, came and uh, watched the game and was in town, and it was her first Red Raider football, Red Raider basketball game to ever go to. So she kind of got set, the uh, setting the bar high. Yeah, she kind of set the bar high out of the gate. So well, there you go. Was, uh, so that was good. But but yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch them and. No, maybe for maybe for folks. Sorry, maybe for no, folks listening to this. Like, if we could put a recruiting spin onto it, right? If we allow ourselves to, okay, okay you know, Chris Beard has has made this a competitive team and the most competitive conference in America. You know, whether they're they're, I know when folks hear this, they'll be listening to it after a Texas loss. But you know, again, yes, after a big home win and, and come back against West Virginia. Um, and, and we talked about, we can talk about the games before that, but there's still a lot of basketball left. And, and I guess where I'm getting at with my question here, Will, is of these guys that you've mentioned, obviously the freshmen are going to be back, but talk about guys that are coming back and maybe what you've seen from Beard, you know, in terms of what he wants to add, um, from, a you know, whether it's a transfer or recruiting, okay. you know, on this team. Yeah, I think really in general, how they're going to kind of recruit this roster from what they've done so far. Uh, and, 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 and I mean, I know Beard and them have only been here for about a year and a couple months as far as doing recruiting, but basically they kind of want to have guys in, in three roles essentially for, for all five positions on the court where you want true point guards, you want uh, like a big man down low, and then they want a bunch of these like kind of like in the NBA now where everyone kind of has, like I said, a point guard, a big man, and then kind of three positionless athletes, if that makes sense, where – uh, you just kind of want all these big, long, uh, kind of rangy guys that can play a two guard. They can be a wing. They can be, uh, you know, a smaller version of a power forward. Just kind of these guys that you can move around a bunch. And that's what you have with guys like Jarrett Culver and Zaire Smith and uh, Brandon Francis. I think all those guys are, are those type of players. Like Naeem Stevenson's that kind of player. Not not as much of a big guy, but those are all guys that can kind of fit those roles. I think, you know, Justin Gray's even a guy that can fit that role. And I think that's what you've seen them do, what they're going to add to the roster and, and what they have signed or who they have come next year, which should be, as, as crazy as it sounds, their roster next year, despite what they're going to lose in the senior class, is probably going to be more talented than it is this year because they're adding a guy uh, in, in Kyler Edwards who's like a big long guard too that kind of fits that two through four uh, role. Uh, Deshaun Corpru is a big physical, you know, super athletic, uh, super talented kid that's playing at South Plains right now that they feel like is, is super versatile. They can play the one through four, who's a big kid. And then they're trying to add a couple more pieces, uh, including they added a, a Missouri transfer recently named C.J. Roberts, who's you know kind of in that mold too. And I think in junior college, they're going to try to add a big man or two that's kind of an athletic rim protector, kind of like what you see what like Texas and Oklahoma have. So, yeah, I, I think that it's pretty clear that I think that the premium here, as far as what they want to recruit, is they just want athletes – that they can have play really hard-nosed, uh, you know, fast-paced defense. And then on offense, since you're going to run the motion, I think the thought is is as long as you have a bunch of big, rangy athletes uh, and a bunch of guys that are going to play with effort, the motion should work. So I, that's just kind of what I'm telling you. I guess the, the the question or observation from me is probably the more common fan that, that – needs that complete explanation on recruiting and maybe needs a follow-up, you know, in another couple months. But it seems like more so than anything in college basketball, I mean, you could add one guy uh, who's super talented to a, a you know group of maybe, let's 
hate to use the word average, but three star guys. Yeah. And then, you know, you can kind of vault, uh, you know, in terms of the, the okay. team you can put together. So um, with with Beard, you know, I know I've noticed it just from being on staff and, and being a part of the conversation. But it just seems like, you know, he's going to shoot his shot more often and he's going to be personally involved in the recruitment yeah. of of these top guys. So what do you you know, could we see Texas Tech? bring a transcendent type of talent to, to Lubbock? I think that's kind of the thought with a guy they have visiting here in, uh, oh, I guess he's visiting in, it's about two weeks, and his name's uh, Kavon Moore. Uh, he's a big-time uh, four-star player. Uh, looking up his exact ranking because I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, he's the number 44 player in the country. Uh, he's like a 6'8", big-time, like forward wing kind of player. Uh, and his four finalists are, I mean, Tech, Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State, and there's one other one that I, I don't want to forget um, that off the top of my head I can't think of right now. Okay. Um, but, th- but those three schools, uh, as well as a couple others, are kind of the, the schools that he's uh, he's looking at. And he's visiting Tech on uh, – he's visiting Tech, I guess it is, here in – oh, here in two weeks he's going to be here for the Texas game. So okay. I mean it's it's I mean it's pretty crazy because he's a uh, he I mean he's a, he's the kind of kid that can I think change your, like really really make your your basketball program take a big leap forward. Okay, well I appreciate that, that answers all my questions. Uh, the, yeah, I, the fourth school is Alabama. That's who I mean. It was Alabama, Ohio State, Tech, and Oklahoma are his four finalists. So what, what Avery Johnson? What's what's he gonna what's do? He, Come on, he he's no competition. I think that wraps up basketball talk, yeah, but, but you, you really kind of hit it on the nail on the head off the top. It's just, it's more exciting when you're winning and when you're competitive. And I mean, even to see what they're doing without Zach Smith, who was legitimately, you know, considering going to the NBA after last off season. So, yeah. uh, it's just, you know, impressive. That That's what I've noticed. Even back, I remember, uh, the, the beginning, cause I was actually in New York either right before or right after the team was there at, at Madison square oh, when garden Seton, when they played Seton hall. Yeah. Right. And, and that's when the, all the conversation started, you know, pretty much with the Matador report. And then as level travels with the team, you know, we'll get more and more updates. Um, but yeah, I mean, all they've done is, is win ball games. And so, uh, doing it on the road, doing it at home, you know, obviously, like I said, you're going to listen to this and they're coming off a a loss at Texas, but you know, I, I feel like uh, you're going to have some of that in this conference. You just got to keep going. And, and luckily coach Beard's the type of coach that's not going to let these guys dwell on anything, you know? Right. So uh, I think you said there's six games left. I mean, those include six home, six games. home game. Yeah. Six home games. Yeah. Those are going to be some pretty good matchups, you know, in big 12 play. So definitely check those out. Yeah. You got uh, Oklahoma, Kansas, Oklahoma state, uh, Iowa state, uh, Texas, and there's one there I'm missing. That's it's uh, TCU's in Lubbock as well. So all those are still in Lubbock, uh, and I would guess that all those for the most part will be pretty, you know, rowdy and rocking. So at least yeah. two or three top twenty-five games you just mentioned. I would guess probably three of those. I mean, two of them will probably be top ten matchups. So with Oklahoma and Kansas, I would guess both those are top ten matchups, and then that TCU game will be a top twenty-five, depending on what they kind of do here. So. So yeah, I mean it's it's exciting and uh, ready to see what uh, what they can kind of get rolling here as uh, we we finish up that uh, that season. And speaking of basketball season, and it's you know it's it's kind of mid January, and and with it being mid January, that means we're kind of getting to 
the point in the year where all the coaching hires are kind of getting wrapped up and everyone's finishing up their staffs uh, as you kind of get near to signing day, Matt. And, uh, you know, we were we were gone last weekend as we kind of finished up some stuff for the holidays when we were out of town. And uh, you, you made two hires while we weren't uh, – while we, we didn't do the podcast last week. You hired Clay Jennings as your cornerback's coach and you hire – and and you hire uh, Brad Duhurst as your safeties coach. So, uh, just kind of your initial thoughts on that, Matt, and getting those two guys who uh, who are now on staff for you. Yeah, I put together a free article just so it could collect information and quotes from uh, folks that that are in our position, but for Arkansas, for Texas, for Houston, just to get their comments on Coach Jennings. I think his resume speaks for itself. Um, I think. You know, a lot of people use the term jumping around. I mean, that doesn't apply to the coaching industry sometimes, especially as an assistant at the college level, because your head coach could be let go for something like which what happened, Rich Rodriguez which did. Texas, right? Which happened at Texas. Yeah. With him. And then which happened at Texas. And then, you know, a, a lot of times you'll see with these million dollar coaches, they don't want to always fire the coach right away. They want to clean house on one side of the ball, similar to what Tech has done over the years with Kingsbury. Um, you know, they're trying to make it work. And so I don't look at that as a negative. Uh, I look forward to seeing what he can do with a full year. Um, I know that he's recruited the state. I know that that's a very important. Um, but I also go back and, and, you know, it really depends on the audience, right? If you're going to, if I'm going to ask the Texas guys, how did he do? Okay. Well, first off, I'm going to premise this by saying, you know, he worked here for 10 months, but you know, maybe he hadn't recruited at like a national power like a Texas before, right? I think that was fair to say. Right. But Texas Tech is going to more so resemble the TCU Mountain West slash Arkansas recruitment that he had. You know, or Baylor, yeah, I'm, yeah, or Baylor, right? And 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 so I've got this area, or I've got these positions that I'm recruiting. Uh, he's going to have relationships all throughout the state, and uh, a lot of the comments I got. Pardon me. A lot of the comments that I got back were just along the lines of, of how talented he was as a technical coach. So uh, they've, you know, Coach Coach Gibbs' background is defensive backs, and he's very involved in all forms of the defense. Uh, but I think they've really stocked the cupboard at that position. And so it's very similar to what he walked into at a, you know, let's call it a TCU where, you know, he's always had someone there to help him evaluate talent and to kind of look at who they were adding you know, but then you look at, I mean, guys that he's developed, guys that he's put into the NFL. And, and to me, you cannot argue with those results. Um, and, and that says more than any recruiting rankings or five star or whatever, whatever. Right. Um, I just so think, I think that it's was, like because I think it's like 10 guys that he's put in the NFL. I yeah, I counted eight, but that was just off various sites I went on. It wouldn't surprise me to to see ten, but definitely some notables and you know, it's all there in the update, not to spend too much time on him, but but I would say, just as a final thought, Will, and I think you've agreed with this, just a better hire than I thought they would make. I thought yes. we were you know, and again, you know, it's kinda I don't want it to sound like we're talking out of both sides of my mouth. Um but you know, you look at when Coach Scott was hired, right? That that comparison of resumes, like it didn't jump off the page, but you also knew Coach Scott was a young guy and he was known as a go getter. Any kind of riser, yeah. Right yeah. now, he's going to be the defensive backs coach at Oak, uh, excuse me, Alabama next year. So all that's been kind of a wild ride for him. Uh, but it just speaks to you know, Gibbs is going to figure it out. Gibbs is going to get his guys, and you know, he's going to make it happen. So I kind of put a lot of trust into him. 
I don't know like where we draw the line between how much we trust him with that and then how much we would trust like recruiting strategies and discuss, you know, where they're at there. I think that's where a lot of the angst comes from and, and especially in hiring new coaches. Um, but all of that to say is, is then when you look at the offensive side of the ball and look at, you know, how there are still some openings there, you know, really outside of running back, there aren't any glaring needs. And so, uh, if they, they can signed, finish they out, signed, they already signed twelve guys too on that side of the ball. Correct. I mean, if they can, uh, if if they can identify some running backs, and and I think in a state like Texas, they're going to be able to do that. We're going to talk about some of the guys visiting. Um, but if they can do that, then I think they can announce those hires at a later date. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the other guy we didn't talk about is Dewhurst. I don't really have much thought there. I mean, a guy coming home again, a guy that has coached here under Gibbs, a guy that, uh, you know, went off on his own and by all accounts, you know, did a good job. And now he's coming back. So there's just not a whole lot of stuff to report there. And, he and started the, out. At, go ahead. The other, the other thing with him, too, is that, I mean, he was at Houston with Gibbs, too. So this is a guy that coached under Gibbs for, I mean, four years. And, he, and Gibbs kind of groomed him, you know, from the beginning. Yeah, so, and I mean, I guess expect the unexpected, right? I mean, there have been rumors about coaches coming, coaches uh, leaving, and you all can can attest to how fast this happens. Uh, but having a guy that's familiar with your defense, familiar with how you run practice, familiar with how you run your room, I mean, that's valuable. So I think that's why he was brought back and his familiarity with Texas Tech, obviously. Um, but like I said, just not a whole lot to, to talk about there. Um, talked about Jennings. I mean, I guess I wanted to get your thoughts. You kind of we'll keep we'll keep what we've posted on RedRaiderSports.com. But here for the podcast, you can kind of allude to yeah. what you've posted about the offensive coordinator opening and kind of what you're hearing from some really trusted sources. Yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of say, and, and 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 like you said, if uh, if you haven't read it, go ahead and go read it on the site. Uh, we've got it posted up. Uh, on the message board there, on Inside the Double T, a bunch of info about uh, specific candidates. But I'll just kind of say this, that, you know, the guys that they're looking at, I, I would tell you, are all uh, experienced uh, veteran OCs, guys that have called plays. I think bare minimum four years was the least, any of them. And before that, they'd been position coaches for a long time or, like, co-OCs for a long time. So very clearly the thing I think that Coach Kingsbury is looking for is somebody here that, and, I mean, if you read the tea leaves, and I haven't been told this at all, but, I mean, it looks to me like he's trying to hire a, an actual play caller. Wouldn't you agree, Matt? Yeah, I mean, it would – It would. I guess that's where the conversation goes in terms of, uh, you know, get, get it off his plate. I find it hard to believe that he would be, you know, completely out of it. But I think – I think if we look at it, we just boil it down to coaching responsibilities, you know, just like he's been able to do with the defense, be more involved because he's got, you know, people in place that can run the offense when he's not around. He does need someone like that. Uh, but I think the point that you make, you know, hiring someone out of that air raid tree, hiring someone out of that specific mold and, and welcoming in new ideas uh, and, and kind of innovation, you know, that to me uh, is what might be missing a little bit. Uh, just because those guys in Morris and Kingsbury had worked together so long that, you know, maybe they just started agreeing a lot, if that makes sense. I mean, there not that it's of, always a... There's a lot of groupthink and not a lot of differing ideas or new thoughts coming out of it, is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and again, I'm not there, so I'm not saying right. that's exactly what happened, but, you know, things can become stale in any, you know, it's not just coaching, you know, your career, your relationships, right? I mean, sometimes you shake it up a bit. Um, but with, you know, with Kingsbury, I think... 
where I was getting at with my comment earlier is since you have signed so many guys on the offensive side of the ball, and since you have uh, the luxury of continuing to recruit with the coaches you have in place for those running backs, you know, take your time, make sure that it's an important hire. Uh, obviously Cliff wants to be here and, and, you know, make sure you get the right guy. I mean, I know everybody's kind of used that example. There's exceptions to every rule, but they've, we've talked about it last time with, you know, coach Gundy going out of the box and hiring somebody from a lower level just to get the innovation. Uh, you look at now he's hired some, uh, some you know retired head coach to be an offensive analyst, and you look at last year with uh, Patterson bringing in uh, Sonny Cumbie as an offensive analyst. I mean, think I mean I would think you know that type of role, um, sort of like a number two, you know, however you want to call it, right? Yeah. Offensive coordinator. I mean, they, he needs to find somebody like that that can maybe you know challenge some of the the concepts and, and be a little more creative. Yeah, and I think that's the idea too. Is that I think, and I know this is a weird word to use, but it's really the only one I can think of is is that kind of all these offenses in the Big 12 and all the staves on all the offenses in the Big 12, for the most part, K-State and Iowa State kind of being the exceptions. Uh, but on all the other staves, they've all kind of gotten a little bit incestual where everyone's kind of coached with each other at one point and everyone's, you know, has kind of the same ideas and is running a different version of the same offense, you know. And I think that bringing in an outside hire, uh, someone that isn't on you know either Coach Kingsbury's coaching tree or wasn't on Mike Leach's coaching tree or Kevin Sumlin's coaching tree, and you know bringing out somebody that hasn't coached in the Big Twelve either, I think the thought there is like you said, it's it's to bring in someone that has new and different ideas or or at least a different perspective on you know how things work or you know how have they seen things in their in their league. Let's say the Big Ten, how have things looked in the Big Ten? or the Mac, or in the SEC, you know, all, all those, like, you know, what have they seen in those, uh, you know, in in those conferences, and, and how is it different? Because it is different in every conference, and I think that certainly, you know, adding a little different flavor and maybe some different wrinkles to the mix and maybe some different thoughts is something that you can certainly uh, help grow your offense and I think continue to help evolve it as the defense starts to catch up here. Yeah, I mean, we've all been used to uh... – you know, above average to, to great offense in, in Lubbock. And, you know, hopefully the defense is starting to catch up, right? Um, I just think this is a major hire for so many reasons. And we can we can talk it into the ground about hiring, you know, complexity, new ideas and all that. Um, I also think, and I'm, you know, I think pretty strongly about this, Cliff's been burned uh, on hiring guys early and then them getting other opportunities. Yeah. And we just talked about how that's now happening to basically Louisiana Lafayette and Coach Napier when he hired Carl Scott as his defensive coordinator. And then he gets uh, he gets robbed by Saban because obviously he's going to go take the DB job at Alabama. So that's, that can happen too. So maybe he's just waiting it out to see what happens because I know a lot of the – a lot of the, hey, what about this guy? What about that guy? I mean, some of those people are landing jobs, whether they're perceived as better jobs than Texas Tech or not. Um, you know, they're, they're landing jobs. We we thought the coaching convention would yield, you know, a little more than it did. Uh, but, you know, it's it's your understanding and, and what we've posted uh, to remind you guys to, to visit inside the double T at, at redraidersports.com. Uh, you've posted the names. You've posted that they've started the interview process. So you know some we may them, not. I'll, I'll say some of them have already interviewed. So that's that, that's just. I think he's just kind of going through it with everyone. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, 
I think that puts a pin on that. I mean, it's it's a very, very popular topic on our board. Yeah. So we wanted to pay some attention to it ourselves. And, uh, you know, we're, we're burning up the phone lines and doing what we can to, to bring you guys some updates. But uh, right now, right now they're still in the hiring process. And, and we'll see what happens here over the next couple of weeks. I would say, you know, if you don't see something uh, announced next week, then, I mean – I don't really see what the point is yeah. in, in announcing it before National Signing Day. The, the thought I heard was, while he is going to take his time, the, the thought was that by this weekend something should be done. I don't know if there will be an announcement made this weekend. Or an I just offer. Think, I just think there will be an offer or there will be a handshake agreement in place probably by the end of the weekend was kind of the thought. Well, then that means that we'll hear about it like right afterwards and right share it with you guys. <laughs> no, I don't know. Hopefully, knock on wood. No, hopefully. Uh, and then, too, what does that mean for your running backs hire? Because I wonder if you're going to let your OC make a running backs hire or if you're going to, uh, you know, because have, I haven't heard anything on that front at all or special teams. I have, or, I have a theory there. I, I, think Cliff, I think Cliff probably reached out to Clarence McKinney and then they were going to get something set up or he was going to say, look, I want to wait and see what offers you get. Because I had brought up Jeff Banks. Guess who else got hired at Alabama? Jeff Banks, Banks. right? (laughs) So, you know, that made you kind of rethink the value of a Coach McKinney. And then obviously I think all all signs where I'm driving at here is now all signs point to him going with someone to Arizona. So that's that's where I kind of throw in, you know, it's not always, hey, call that guy and hire him, right? Because cut and dry. Yeah. Yeah, the ink wouldn't have been dried and he would have said, hey, Cliff, I'm going with coach someone you know what i mean and then you're back at square one so um would have been nice to get a guy like that but i I still think you need a strong recruiter uh texas ties be damned uh they need guys that can uh get back out and and really recruit because when i when i look at it for as much i guess we're transitioning into recruiting now uh but but as much as people get concerned about the 2018 class you know, yes, you're probably going to have a smaller class, but just remember that that means you get to have another, you know, little bit of a larger class the following year. Should, should, yeah. Should, yeah. But you also get, you know, this is cyclical type of every three to four years with Texas Tech to where, you know, other schools are going to have smaller classes or some of these guys are going to start to see, okay, let's imagine that Cliff has a good year. I mean, I would think that going back to Case Keenum, to Johnny Manziel, to Pat Mahomes and everything else in between. Davis Webb, even Baker Mayfield. Uh, Baker, even Cowell, yeah. Man. I mean, all the guys we all know about, I would think that the coaches, especially Kingsbury, could sit across the table from a, a legit 2019 stud quarterback and say, look, you know, come be our guy. You know, we'll make you, you our gotta, guy. You don't even got to say anything. You literally just say, hey, I'm just going to show you a little video. And you just pull out clips of all those guys doing stuff. That's right. What do. Yeah. And and I get it. Kids want to win. Kids want to play on a bigger stage. But at the end of the day, these kids want to maximize their potential to one day play in the NFL. Yes. And you, you know, the the proof's in the pudding that and we're not just talking about quarterbacks, right? Um, but but you know, it's going to start to kind of show that they're developing and that the defense is getting better. So I feel like 2019 could could be a look a little different in in people's eyes. I just think that. Um, we're going to have an either or scenario, just like we did this year. You know, if, if tech's doing good, okay, Cliff's not getting fired. If tech is like teetering at 500 needs to win out, you know, like they did this year, then you're going to have all the uncertainty. And I just really think that shoots all of your momentum, you know, in the foot. So, so to say, so that's all, that's all I'll say about that. But I mean, 
you you have to consider that as well because I mean the 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 spots left and the guys they're going to bring in all this is great but I really feel like we're going to snap our fingers and now it's going to be 2019 like right in front of our faces because those kids can take official visits after April first uh, I believe and you're going to see just a flurry of offers and commitments we've already seen. I don't know, what would you say, two or three 2019 offers now that the coaches are on the road? Yeah, there's, there's been, I think, three since they went on the road here about a week or so ago. Yeah. Well, let's let's not get too far off the rails with that, but um, I think we wanted to kind of preview official visits for this weekend and then next weekend. Um, I'll let I'll let you kick that off, Will. Okay. Yeah, easy enough. And, uh, I, you know, I think the thought is this weekend, which is the 19th tomorrow, uh, they're going to have all of the commits and signees in on that aren't early enrollees in on uh, on kind of a, of official visits to have like just kind of a hey here's the class weekend where all those guys you know get to spend some time together and hang out and uh, you know have a good time so yeah I think that's kind of the focus of this weekend so I believe you'll have obviously all your early enrollees are already here or should be a uh, class started today for tech so most of them should be here and if they aren't here they'll be here by monday or tuesday i would guess and so you you should have five guys we'll see what happens with myler royals ultimately because that's i think was still up in the air and trying to find out more on on that deal but regardless uh yeah should have all of your early enrollees in and then uh, all your uh, commits should be here this weekend so uh, that's this weekend, and uh, that's just kind of what they've 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 kind of done here over the last year or two, Matt. Is that's just kind of become the pattern of what they do one weekend specifically. Yeah, and I'm all for that. Um, I, I think you know all the guys getting together, choosing roommates, you know, having the the true official visit where they sit down and and with their parents learn more about the options for majors and all these other things, creating their schedules. I mean, that makes mom feel better when she leaves town and, and whatnot. Um, but it's also, you know, Hey, a lot of these kids have signed with Texas tech. So they're, they're truly, this is their weekend to kind of like get a preview of their new home. Um, the other important part to that is, you know, if you look at the commitment list, we, we keep saying it, we keep saying it that they signed 12 kids. You've got Xavier Benson, who's a linebacker, John Scott, who's a defensive end, Makai Garner, who's a defensive back. All of these guys are going to be in town, and those are your three you know, unsigned commitments right now on the defensive side of the ball. All of them are saying all of the right things. Um, none of them are visiting anywhere else, so you know all signs are go there. Yeah. So that, that should make everyone, you know, maybe the comments and the experience and the stories that, that we get to report will kind of, you know, put folks at ease. Okay. We've got those three guys locked up. Uh, but I think that everyone's going to be looking to that following weekend where they're bringing in, you know, several official visitors and really, I mean, down the home stretch, having to off, you know, evaluate, meet, offer and host and try to sign kids in the span of, I don't know, will, I mean, 15, four to 16 six, days. Yeah. That, that too. Yeah. I mean, but, but the whole process really being a month or less, so yeah. I don't know. There's a, I think there's a whole nother conversation there, but that just to give you guys the timeline, nobody has to sign on February 7th. Um, it's just like when, March 1st, I think, or something like that. It's yeah. just when the majority of kids are going to sign. And, and just remember this year compared to most years, 70, what, what do we say? 71% like 71% of, of guys are already signed. Yeah, They're already signed. So you're looking at the remaining 39% and then whatever piece of that 39%, 
are committed and or visiting or interested in committing to Texas Tech. So um, not the not the best of outlooks, but this is something similar to where uh, you see a new coaching staff hired in December or January. Um, I'm not going to call it that since you signed like a full offensive class, but it, it feels like that on the defensive side because mathematically, what would you say? There are six to seven spots still available to fill. Uh, so I, I I went back and did the numbers because I know some people have debated that you should be taking a bigger class, but I went back and did the numbers. And unless I, I went and counted it twice, and unless I'm wrong or I, I count something wrong, you've got 54 guys returning uh, for next year for for the 20 what is it 20 uh, for the yeah for the for the, for the 2018 season. And Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it 75 or 85 you can have on scholarship? 85. It's 85. Okay, so uh, I believe that gives you room with about with the guys they're going to put on uh, that were that were preferred walk-ons that are going to get on scholarship. That puts you right around, I believe, 21 or 22 they can sign. Uh, so yeah, the number ends up making sense. And on top of that, I mean, again, they're probably keeping the scholarship open for a guy like. Uh, Preston Jordan, who's visiting, you know, next weekend, who's a or Preston, not Preston Jordan, Preston Gordon, who's visiting next weekend, uh, who's a, the Rice grad DT transfer. And mm-hmm. I would be curious to see if they maybe take another position. Maybe they look for like a grad transfer running back, or maybe they look for a grad transfer, uh, you know, defensive end or, or something. So I'm curious to see what happens there as well. So yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see, but the numbers end up making sense once once you look at who comes back next year, I think, based off my numbers, unless I messed up somewhere. So uh, what you're going to have in next weekend, though, which is the weekend of the 26th, which is the second-to-last visit weekend, uh, looks like you're going to have Houston Lamar running back to John Henry is going to be here. Highland Park quarterback John Stephen Jones will be here. Irving Ranch running back Sir Roderick Thompson will be here. And then, like I just mentioned, uh, Rice grad transfer, uh, defensive tackle Preston Gordon. So that's four guys for you. There's also a possibility that uh, Mansfield four-star safety Cam Jones uh, comes in to visit. I know that's that's kind of a long shot, from what I understand. Stand, uh, he'll be out at uh, based on what I just I just kind of all read. He'll be at Ole Miss this coming weekend, and then next weekend we'll kind of see what, what he's supposed what he's to doing. announce next Saturday. So I wouldn't yeah. see him take an official and announce to another school in Lubbock. I mean, right. that would, unless unless he just puts so. it back or whatever. <clears throat> Keep in mind though, kids can take. <clears throat> excuse me. While it's not the fun free trip that everybody talks about, kids can take a midweek visit if they would like to. Um, the fact of the matter is, though, uh, as long as he gets to meet Coach Clay Jennings and as long as he's cool with Coach Gibbs, they could do a home visit. There's not much about Texas Tech that Cam Jones doesn't know. Yeah, he knows everything. A year ago now, I think he was committed um, and he's visited, I don't know, three or four times since at then. Least, so, yeah. Yeah, um, at least. I think an official – would get me to pay attention, uh, but I'll still see who he picks. Right now, my bet's on Nebraska. Um, you know, who knows, right? I mean, yeah. it, it uh, that's a, another whole another conversation, right? Is is you know where do you draw the line if if you do have this philosophy of don't convince a kid to come to Lubbock, which you know we can talk about whether that's dated or you know ground in in its theory. Um, we'll, we'll see, uh, but 
to me, I look at that list and I see three offensive guys and one one defensive grad transfer. Now, keep in mind the coaches are meeting with Jacoby Simpson, and Today, he told yeah. Me, yeah he told me that. I mean, I posted I posted exactly what he told me. He said he's fairly certain that he's visiting next week as well. Um, but again, just like with Cam Jones, I mean, at each of these positions, it seems like you have one guy. And then beyond that, like we really haven't seen any sort of backup plans or redundant backup offers, offers or, yeah, yeah, yeah. anything like that. And so it's uh, it's, you know, that that is where a lot of the angst and concern comes from when we when we look at what the fans are talking about and what the feedback is from some of our members. And so um, the, the the good news is that the outlook I have on it is, you know, you're looking at some of these situations and, you know, you may perceive it one way. The good news is. You only have two more weeks to really track it. So the coaches yeah. are on the road. Either they're going to offer kids or they're not. You know, either they're going to make a move on some of some defensive guys or they're not. I, I think yeah, it's time to all, jump all, on or get jump on or get off the pot at this point, basically kind of deal. Yeah. I mean they signed a lot of DBs last year. If they stick with Garner, then fine. Um if if they don't get a linebacker and just sign Benson, I don't think it's the end of the world, but I mean, I'd like, you know, I think the folks would be encouraged to see you beat out TCU and a, a few other schools uh, like Kansas state and uh, Ole Miss and, and interest from, from others for a Jacoby Simpson. I mean, I think that would be a nice, you know, rally cry, if you will. Uh, these other guys like grad transfers, people don't get excited about that. I mean, those stories come and go and, um, it's great that a kid chooses Texas Tech, but but you know people didn't care about Eli Howard coming to Texas Tech no. until he made plays on the football field, and so um, that's the difference when you know for from my opinion anyway or my perspective uh, when covering a high school guy versus a, a transfer or a JUCO guy. <coughs> Excuse me. No, there's no doubt that. I mean, you're going to get more excited about the high school guys because you know you're going to potentially spend you know three or four years with them, or maybe even four or five. Uh, depending on who they are, whereas with these grad transfers, it's one or two years, and with JUCOs, it's usually two years, maybe three years, and uh, yeah, it just seems like it's always more of a crapshoot when you take those guys than high school guys, which is totally understandable, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of see here what happens, but uh, that's where things sit here as we are, you know, just over, I guess just, you know, under three weeks from signing day, uh, it's Thursday, so yeah, just a day under three weeks from signing day right now. Yeah, and I think uh, uh, this time of year, too, is when a lot of the NCAA committee and uh, all, all that's meeting. And I've seen on social media a lot to, a lot of talk about transfer rules and a lot of talk about the redshirt rule. And remember, they'll have another meeting later in the spring to put some of these to a vote. Uh, but maybe we can spend some time on those and yeah. you know talk about how it affects a program like a Texas Tech. Because you know, based on what they're proposing, I, I think it could be a pretty good thing. Uh, but we'll we'll see. I mean, we've seen a lot of rule changes, so it seems like they're becoming a little more aggressive with that process. Yeah, they are, no doubt. I, I don't know, really know what I think, though, with the, the whole open market transfer thing. I don't know if it hurts you as Texas Tech or if that really helps you as Texas Tech. Well, let's chew on it for a week, and, and we can come back and, and right. spend some time on it here. I think, obviously, basketball is a different conversation than football. And, and you know, if you're already at school that's playing in the transfer market, then um, – Hey, I mean, th- there's a reason why there's there's a reason why the term processed, you know, is is a, a thing. And that's because, you know, those bigger programs like in Alabama or Georgia or whatever, 
get processed, right? I mean, you yep, either you stay do. there and don't play or you transfer, you know? So uh, you'll you'll either see more of that aggressive approach from coaches or you'll see them just, hey, you know, thanks for last year, but we just brought in this guy. He's a transfer. He's pretty awesome. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it'll be a new reality, but I'm, I'm interested to talk about it a little bit more. I, this still has to get voted into, uh, right. into, into a rule, but it sounds like it's going that way. The red shirt, the red shirt thing will help tech. Now that, that'll be good. No, I agree with that. I think that, that helps you out. But, uh, anything else on, uh, on your brain before we wrap this thing up? No, um, coaches in Dallas, coaches in Houston, you know, a ton of uh, ton of 2019 updates headed y'all's way. New offers there. We'll, we'll certainly cover them. We're trying to keep 2018 in, in bright lights, um, and we'll continue to do so uh, both on the site and here on the podcast. And there's my dog barking, so let's <laughs> wrap it up. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys, for listening to the Victory Bells podcast. I'm Will. He's Matt. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. See ya.